0: What do you see when you look through the window? I'm looking at the sun today, Sister Joanna. And the sunlight sometimes casts some shadows too.
1: And sometimes we need to shut the windows because some stuff outside the window we don't need to see.
0: There might be storms coming, but we have our umbrellas.
1: And we got God. So, God in an umbrella, you're in good shape, aren't you?
0: So, to our listeners, what do you see when you look through the window? We'll explore that with you over the next hour, along with our special guests on 1580thepraise.com. This is The Window. I'm Dr. Joanna Williamson. And I'm Dr. Iris Cooper. And I am glad to be
1: with you this morning with my colleague and friend, Dr. Joe.
0: And I am glad to be anywhere at all, especially with my colleague and friend, mm-hmm. Dr. Iris Cooper. Mm-hmm. We have had quite a week in so many ways, and that probably goes for everyone listening too, but something unexpected happened to me in terms of the way I feel about a major event in my life. I had my second COVID vaccine this week. And you're still walking and talking to tell about it. I'm talking and walking and praising God at the same time. Amen for the healing that I believe will take place. Now, I got my first shot. I'm I'm like most of you who are out there in my age group have been eligible but have struggled to try to find a way to get your first shot. And I'm on my second shot now. I had that a day and a half ago. And after my first shot, I I didn't know how I would feel or if I would feel anyway, but it was surprising. I felt a sense of empowerment. I, I don't know if I felt empowered after my first
1: shot, Dr. Joe. But I was watching to make sure my arm didn't blow up and turn into a bionic arm um, all day that day. But I had absolutely no response, no reaction. Maybe that's just because I'm a a
0: tough black woman and I can take (laughs) anything, but I had nothing. I felt a little pinprick in my left arm for a day or so after the first shot. For the second shot, it has been more of a muscular pain, but Mm -hmm. nothing compared to my understanding of what families have gone through who have actually experienced COVID. Mm-hmm. So this second shot, I confess I was anxious. I was anxious because I'd heard people talk about the side effects, if they had any, it would probably be more intense the second time around. That did not happen with me, praise God. But I was anxious for reasons I hadn't anticipated. And we're gonna talk more about that as we go through this hour, but I was nervous the second time around because it was, I was talking to a friend about coming out of this pandemic, if in fact that's what's happening and we're prayerful that that is what's happening. It's kind of like a science fiction movie when all of a sudden you you come out of the darkness and you look around you and you see some devastation but you're not sure what you see in the road ahead. And so I felt that anxiety. It, it just happened coincidentally that my shot was on Thursday and I did not know at the time that the president, President Biden would be addressing the nation that evening. And I had not really thought about the fact that this was the one week anniversary of when we all very nervously sheltered in place, Mm -hmm. not knowing what that would mean. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I remember that the last time we went out before that, it was my godson's 40th birthday, so we celebrated his 41st birthday this week, but we went out to dinner. And as soon as we left the restaurant, we heard the announcement they were shutting down the restaurant, they were shutting down the libraries where I had been earlier in the day, they were closing the schools, and we were going to be working from home. We had no idea what to expect, And we just kind of went with the flow because we had to. But now a year later, as we face whatever the new normal is, this is under our control. It's not something that is being mandated to us. It's not on an emergency basis. We have some conscious, deliberate decisions to make. And the government is making decisions
1: for us as we speak. Now, I'll be quite honest with you. I struggled with the isolation. I had trouble sleeping. And as I shared with you earlier, I completely lost my attention span. i didn't have time for anything. If it was more than five, 10 minutes and you didn't get to the point, I was gone. Um, so I struggled with the isolation. I struggled with not being able to connect to the people that I get my energy. I really struggled with church of not being able to get up, get my clothes on, start the week out in my pew at the church and hear the message. Um, And not only that, I had to face the fact to people that thought I was superwoman, that I'm really not that woman. My family, yeah, I get scared and I cry and I don't wanna be left alone sometimes and then other times I don't wanna be left alone. And so for some of us, we had to take off the costume and and reveal to our family and friends who have us on this plastic pedestal that we're just like everybody else.
0: When I look back over the last year, I can feel everything you just said. I would say that how i felt about it was actually divided into chunks now that i look back so through that first phase maybe march april may when we were truly sheltered in place i like a number of others said this is a little different but it's bringing me a bit closer to people I live under the same roof with and my friends who we were reaching out to via phone and that thing called Zoom that was so foreign to many of us and now is part of our daily lives. And so, I hate it. And so during that first phase, and, and we'll learn more about that too, I wish you could see Dr. I now in terms of the look on her <laughs> face. Like But If we were on Zoom now, you would have seen her face but mm. she talked about Zoom. So that first phase, I was... I was curious as to what was going to happen next, never dreaming that it would last whatever it was for a year. During the summer, we could get out and about a little bit more. I like to take walks. I like to eat outdoors. So I thought this is going to be all right. For me, going into the winter months, the fall and winter is always tough because of the darkness and the Mm -hmm. cold. So that was hard for me, but I attributed part of that to the norm for winter. But again, now that we're in this stretch where we're coming out of it and we go, wow, now we can do, for me, there's this question mark. And, and let me
1: just add another layer to the, the miserable conditions that we've been through. Every single day, there was, how, I don't know how many hundreds of people dying of COVID black people, brown people, white people, everybody, especially the older people and the people that had no health insurance. So in addition to a physical change in our environment, working from home, the weather got real crazy. It snowed in places that snow wasn't ever a big deal. Um, But also we had so much negativity in the media about what was going on in the world. Um, political nightmares went on at the same time. So this was more than just a, uh, a physical phenomenon. It was emotional, it was mental, it was all of the above. But thank God, we're sitting here today with with uh, the the management and leadership at 1580 praise.
0: And we're glad to be here. And you know what? How how quickly we forget or try to forget, you're right. Overlaying all of that was that extraordinarily intense, excruciating political climate. Mm -hmm. And so, again, I will mention that I got my shot on the same day as the presidential uh, address to the nation. And we hadn't intended to talk politics today. We will in the future. But I will just say to me there's nothing like a man or a woman <laughs> with a plan. So President Biden was a man with a plan who mapped out his vision for by the 4th of July, perhaps we'll return to some semblance of normalcy if we do what scientists are recommending that we do over the next few months. And, and so for my friends and colleagues who have made a decision not to get the vaccine, certainly that's your prerogative, but I've asked over and over again and, and I've not gotten an answer, What is your plan then? If it's some form of whatever herd immunity is in your mind without the vaccine and without masks, what does that herd immunity look like? Does it look like survival of the fittest and some of us die and some of us don't die? So I don't know what that plan B is for folks who say not doing any of it. And and I'm really open to an answer. I really mean that sincerely. What is your plan? But as it relates to the national plan, knowing that there could be an end in sight the year that you just described, Dr. I, which is somewhat different than the year that I had and maybe different than the year that people listening had. And, and that's what we'd like to talk about today, your individual experiences, reflecting on those, because that's what we do at The Window, but also saying now that we go forward, was the last year in vain? What have we learned from it? Do we just play it by ear now as we go, or is this the time for some intentional reflection and planning? and looking through the window, and as it relates to our guest today, when you do look ahead, are you going to do that on your own? Or perhaps you might need a little bit of professional help in helping you make sense mm-hmm. of all this.
1: And I'm glad we have our our, our guest here today, um, because sometimes your window is a mirror. Mm. And when I look at myself in the mirror window over the last year, I recognized I was changing. There were some things that just were not acceptable to me anymore. And then there were other things I gravitated to. If the sun came out on a dreary day, I wanted to shout for joy. I began to look at little pleasures as a message from God that, Iris, I got this. Don't worry about it. And Then I started measuring what I did every day. How many of the things ended up on the good side? How many of them are in the middle? And how many of them I don't want to talk about? So I tell people today that if you're the same today as you were two years ago, you missed a journey of of self-exploration, of looking not only out the window, but looking in the mirror. You should be a different person after After going through and and successfully coming out of what we've been through,
0: and that's what scares me because when I look at my window, my mirror, it's like you know how you try to to clean your window and you and you and you spray Mm -hmm. Windex or some kind of spray and then you get the squeegee and then you and then you get the cloth (laughs) and the more you rub, the fuzzier it gets and you go, well, I've just Mm -hmm. made an even bigger mess and I don't want to make an even Mm -mm. bigger mess. Mm -hmm. I'm excited about what the future could hold, but I'm, I'm, I'm nervous nonetheless. And especially for those issues for which I make decisions. So as it relates to what's going to happen with my workplace and are we going to continue to work remotely with or our not, kids. those kinds of issues, that's outside of my control. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen with other people, that's outside of my control. What decisions the schools are going to make, outside of my control. But as it relates to me and the people around me that in the past we've called our home, That's what we'd like to focus on today in the window. What is it that you are going to decide, that you are going to do, that you're going to reflect on? What painful decisions, what hopeful visions do you bring to your view of the window as it relates to our home sweet post-pandemic home? We are so glad that we have someone who's going to share in the discussion. Actually, we have a few people who are going to share with us today. But our first person is someone that we know well in Columbus, although she's not in Central Ohio with us right now. She will explain that more. And I'm going to caution you in advance that she doesn't bring with her answers to the questions that you will be asking yourself. She's going to join us in reflecting because truly these are your decisions. In fact, she is an advocate for talking about how situations that we go through in life can become opportunities for us to, to be purposed to move toward our fullest life. Davia Williams Stevenson is a licensed professional clinical counselor and she's a life coach and she speaks about topics of teens and adults and couples and families growing toward mental and emotional and relational health and wellness. We're going to talk about all of that. We're going to talk about what happened with marriages and relationships during the pandemic, what about singles during the pandemic, our seniors, our finances, our living arrangements, including that working from home. We're going to talk about all of that, but we are so glad to bring to you today Davia Williams-Stevenson.
2: Davia, can you hear us? I can hear you, and I just love... um many of the metaphors you've already brought up uh, when Dr. I mentioned the window. I'm excited to talk about that. The window as a mirror. Um, that's really neat. Uh, I hope to touch base on that some more. Um, but yes, I'm thrilled to, to join you, ladies. Thank you for asking me to join you. I'm uh, even more excited that I am not the, um, the teacher, but a participant. <laughs> and I get to be reflective and think about Uh, my own life as i was listening to your your discussion earlier um as your lead in um i got a little emotional and thinking through the past of this pandemic and uh how the different phases affected me affected my clients so i'm excited to see where the conversation goes today
0: that's great now where are you right now where in the world are you
2: okay so looking out my window i'm very um privileged to be able to spend some time in a warm place. So I'm looking at, out my window at the ocean in South Florida. And uh, today is one of the best weather days. There's been a lot of wind, so people haven't been on the beach. But there are lots of people on the beach walking around. I see groups of families. Um, so yeah, I have a sunny, warm day that I'm sure when we are done with our conversation, I'm gonna make my way out uh, outside to be amongst those people. Um, sitting in the sand and looking at the surf. So I'm very excited about that. This is my window today. Great. Um, I chose it for reasons of um, health and reflection. Um, so we can talk about that, how you talked about, Dr. Joe, being able to um, affect the things that you have control over and release those that you don't. That's part of my decision and coming down here. Um, I'll be here for a few more weeks.
0: So I think I can hear the ocean, which is, um, which is very soothing to you, I'm sure. <laughs> it makes me very jealous. For those of us who aren't <laughs> at the ocean right now, talk to us about what that reflection should look like and, and, and why that matters.
2: Well, one of the things I think is really important for any real growth to happen is an honest but compassionate assessment of where you are, Right. And so since we're just sharing some of our stories, I will tell you that um, I needed to take a bit of a break from my clinical work. I love doing clinical counseling. I will return to it. But I decided it took me some months to get here. I had to clear my client load and all of that. But to take an extended leave of absence for my own um, well-being. I talked about doing this long before the pandemic hit and really struggled with making this the time that I did it. My, my leave officially started in January, and this is the dead of winter where you already have people tend to struggle with seasonal affective disorder and, you know, cabin fever anyway. Add on to that, this pandemic situation which seems to continue on and on and on. Um, so I struggled with that, but I knew I needed to take care of myself first. It's one of the things I talk about often is, is self-care. Um, lost someone very dear to me, and so this has also been a season for me to pull away and grieve. Otherwise, I would default to my, let me take care of everybody else's thing, and i deal with my own grief. So I pulled away. Um, I was privileged enough to pull away and go to a different place, but the pull away really is mental. Whether you get to move your body to a different place or not, the work is the same. I was just grateful to be able to come somewhere warm and do the, do the work. David, is doing on my, excuse me,
1: yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but how did no, you no, know no. when to pull away?
2: Mm, I think like most people, you may have a, Uh, inkling long before you do um my the admin in my office um told me when I finally announced to the to the uh, other counselors that I was going to be taking a minimum six-month leave of absence from clinical work she said to me you know I've been here now almost three years and you've been talking about taking a break almost from the time I got here I'm so glad you're doing that for yourself and I didn't realize that I've been mulling it over for some time hadn't figured out how to make my exit I think when you are in a position of caregiving, my well, lecture on this, I got to, but the biggest lesson for me, I think, is practice what you preach. <laughs> it's good. If it works for others, it may work for you as well. Um, uh, I found that I, how can I say this? My okay. clinical work was becoming um, a thing that I needed. I needed to be needed, if that makes any sense. Now, when you're operating in your gifts and your talents and and all that space, you should get some personal satisfaction out of that. I believe God called me to this work. Um, I get to do this work. I believe that. And I should gain some some fulfillment from it. But it seemed to me there was a subtle shift in um, my needing to be needed in this space. And so that was my clue when the Lord made that clear to me, that it was time for me to take a break, regroup, I didn't know that there was going to be a whole grieving and loss situation that I would have needed to be away from. Anyway, Lord, prepared me so that I have the space in my life to do the other work that I needed to do. You
0: know, so no, how? Go ahead, I'm sorry. none of us want to be the, the kind of, oh, ain't it awful person that someone sees our number flashed on the screen and says, oh, no, mm-hmm. I can't answer the phone. So I'm not suggesting <laughs> anyone go to that extreme, but I think mm-hmm. you just did something very powerful, in saying, I am not okay. And so mm-hmm. having someone you can say that to, I can say that to Dr. I, my friends can say it to me. Sometimes I can hear it in my friends' voices when they call, but they put up that, that facade to say, oh, I was just calling to, you know, to mm-hmm. say hello. When the real issue is, I am not okay.
1: And black mm-hmm. women love to put on that face.
0: And we have some black men sitting here with Uh us and we'll talk to too. I don't mean to leave them out Mm because I I think that they're maybe even more guilty of it if it is a You can't be a
1: hero or a heroine every single day of your life. And sometimes you've got to take off the mask, take off the costume, and say, I'm Mm -hmm. struggling. I can't do this today. And Davy, my hat is off to you to be Mm -hmm. where you are. And you didn't have to take us with you, but that's okay. (laughs) <laughs> um but yeah my um my uh, congratulations to you because some of us all we can do for an escape is to go in our rooms and shut the door.
2: That's not enough. You know, I think that there are a number of factors um, that I think are particular to women and to black women to our culture. We talk about you know we hear a lot about boxing up and black girl magic and and all of that and and there certainly is a strength and a resilience that's built into us culturally because we've had to a lot of times we're strong in places because we have a choice you either exercise your resilience and your strength or you crumble and so historically we step up but there's also I think this undue um, uh, kind of change you talked about a shadow side the sun comes in your window and it casts a shadow I think the shadow side of the strength and resilience that we often hold as women, I'm going to speak specifically to black women, is an inability to deal with our, our needs. It's as if we don't have a right to or we don't have a paradigm to. If there's anything that's my passion um, in this space and life is to normalize mental health care, to, to allow us to take off the cape. we are strong and capable without putting on a costume. Having times where you need to break or rest Think about God created the world in six days, and he rested. Think about the Sabbath as a principle. I talk about that as a principle of um, regular cyclical little breaks for refreshment. You may not be able to take a day, a month, or or several weeks like I have done, but you can take moments. If you have in your mind this, this understanding that you need, it's in your DNA, you are made this way, you need rest, emotional rest, physical rest. Social, psychological
0: role. So, as we come out of this season, where if there's ever a time when we all need to stop and think about what it feels mm-hmm. like to be in a situation from which we needed some relief, it was this past year. As we stand Ooh. on the verge now of hopefully entering a new phase of our collective existence, let's try to break down some of the issues that we believe. And you can help us affirm this or disaffirm this that we're dealing with. So you are, I assume, down there in Florida with your, with your longtime boo. I am. Davy has been married <laughs> to her college sweetheart for 34 years, has two beautiful adult sons, one daughter in love. And so for those people who were single during the pandemic, you look to be the picture of what we thought it would be look like to go through the pandemic happy you're you're with your one and only your significant other you have your kids and your family and yet when we look at statistics now nationally it appears that the the post pandemic divorce rate is up and the birth rate is down what does this tell us about the stability of marriages overall, is this just a pandemic crisis thing or what's going on with marriages? And don't forget domestic
1: violence is up as well. Correct. There are people leaving their homes because they have to. to.
0: What did the pandemic teach us about the nature of relationships?
2: I think people's needs are the same. Um, The pandemic because we were put in this, this um, uh, pressure cooker, so to speak, those places where there were already fault lines were exploited. Now, the divorce rate has always been about 50%. Um, domestic intimate partner violence is always too high. Um, but when you add on financial stress and strain, no ability to escape, many of us don't have any training in or, or, or good skills and communication skills. Um, Financials so and all those things, it adds pressure to the cooker. And those places where they were already from fault lines are exposed. And so I hope we don't know. We've not been through a pandemic before. And I would say multiple pandemics, layered pandemics, right? You mentioned the political unrest and the, um, all of all the things that happened all at one time. This was new. Even the virus, the novel coronavirus. And so i be careful to project that this is the way it will be, that, that there's been a fundamental shift in families, in relationships, and all of that. I, I don't know that. Uh, I don't think anyone knows that. I think all of these all this bad news is real. Divorce rate is up. Um, birth rate is down. I think those are real statistics. Um, but I'd be careful to, to, to extrapolate them too far. We just don't know yet.
0: So when you talk about fault lines, perhaps there were wounds in our relationships that we had been putting Band-Aids on and they just mm-hmm. festered and boiled during the pandemic. I mean, if, if if you're in a relationship and you're finding ways to to work around the tough times by oh working late at the office but now the office is at home or mm-hmm. if you have maybe a friendship on the side n- nobody on this call of course would do that but if you have friendship on the side all of a sudden it's not quite as easy to Slip have a phone call the with of your the night. with your friend when you're sitting in the fam- with the family room all day in the family room. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. and so
1: and don't forget you got to cover up those credit card bills when you all go out <laughs> you
2: know yeah 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 so there, we didn't have the array of escape so when you when you were using escape as a way to uh, to uh, deal with those things that were difficult already in your life and your way of escape is gone without any new skills or any changes in, in in your your capacity um, things will tend to fall apart will tend to blow up and so and I really think that's what we've seen
0: let's look at the other extreme and and we're not mm-hmm. trying to be downers i'm hearing ourselves as we talk we're not trying to be downers we're trying to do a diagnosis so we can come up with a prognosis as as to what our what our lives can and should look like as we do as individuals hopefully some thoughtful and intentional planning about stepping out of this pandemic into our new reality so we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll come back again and talk about again coming out of this pandemic and our home sweet homes what do those look like We're back looking through the window. I'm Dr. Joanna Williamson with Dr. Iris Cooper and our special guest today, Davia Williams Stevenson, a licensed professional counselor and life coach, who's talking to us as we try to reflect on what this post pandemic life can and should look like in our homes. Davia is calling in from the ocean with her husband of 34 years, and we were just talking about marriages and the state of relationships during the pandemic. I was thinking about my parents who were we were married for 50 some years, had a great marriage. For my mom, retail therapy was something that kept her marriage alive when she needed to get away. But I guess that wouldn't have been as impactful a getaway if she had been shopping via Amazon, sitting at home <laughs> like, like the rest of us were. But at the other extreme of this paradigm, as it relates to the foundation of our home and relationships, we had singles. We had singles who were thinking, gosh, if I only had my true blue boo with me, this would be a lot simpler. A friend of mine made a distinction between, I think we've always talked about the difference between being alone and being lonely. And the fact that those could do two different states. But now we have this thing called isolation. Dr. I, you're right. And that's what she said. For her, it was the isolation. Are we, As it relates to relationships in general, are are we just never happy with our situations? David, when we're married, we think, gee, it would be better to be single when we're single. We think, gosh, if I only had that significant other. What is up with us in relationships, do you think?
2: (laughs) I think that's what's up with humans in general. Or the these these uh, metaphors, the grass is always greener, those types of things—they exist because that's how we tend to see things. Um, but I, I do think that, again, looking at the pandemic as this particular disruption, where things were intensified, and so if you had loneliness and you were blocked from, sometimes you feel lonely when you feel that you don't have people that you are intimate with, right? Intimacy—I'm defining it as. Um, I don't know where this came from. I, I, this is not my original, uh, not my original thought. But intimacy being into me, see, being seen mm. and being known, into me see. Um, uh Loneliness. You may feel like you don't have that type of intimacy. Isolation means that, but you can still have hope that that's happening. Isolation is like we are blocked from Ethan. Like something has locked me down and blocked me from being able to pursue intimacy. Um, and that doesn't have to be romantic intimacy. It depends on what your how your um, the context you're looking at. to be seen is a, a common human need. Um I love and scriptural God talks about I knit you together in your mother's womb. I know your thoughts from afar. Like that is intimacy. We want to be seen. it's, a, it's, a, it's the way we're made. So
0: um,
2: as it relates to those romantic
0: relationships, do do you think we sometimes, Settle is the word we used to use when I was coming up. Do you think we sometimes settle for romantic relationships just because we don't want to be alone and anybody is better than nobody?
2: Sadly, yes. <laughs> well, have a long answer to that. Yes. Yes, I think, I think many times that's the case. Um, and I think we look for um, relief. From those things that feel uncomfortable, and oftentimes um, we think that relief is outside of us, um, and relief is short term, as opposed to I'm trying to think of another word, but a more long term nurturing view. Um, I use the example; and this may be a bit of a stretch, but just bear with me. Um, I've worked with teenagers, and you're familiar with you know people who cut. Um, cutting is just a form of emotion regulation. When you have all these thoughts and things going on inside of your head that are beating you up, cutting is something you feel like you can control. Cutting as in
0: physically As as in
2: taking a razor and cutting your skin. You know that we think of that as a teen problem and a teen female problem but it isn't. The if you look below it, it really is just trying to find a way to regulate emotions that you can't control and can't define. And so the reason why people cut is because it works. It Gives you some sort of uh, sense of control of these emotions that are that you're that are negative or that are hard to, to handle. Um, the problem with it is that it doesn't address the real problem. So it, you have to cut more or cut deeply, and you never get to the problem. But you do it because of a short term solution, and it seems to work. Same with the relationship. If you feel lonely, and and society is constructed such that right you are see you are complete in this picture with somebody else creating that's the that's the um the ideal that's placed out there, right? But davia you don't think that ideal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Excuse
1: me. Um don't you think that with this isolation, if there's a couple that had some issues that were, let's say, in the closet, in the drawers Mm -hmm. weren't really dealing with it because they were going to work every day and had to deal with the children and all that kind of stuff that then all of a sudden they were looking at that mirror window of two unhappy people or two people that didn't know each other anymore that were just going through the motions and one of them stepped forward and said hey i'm not feeling this Mm -hmm. what are we doing
0: I'm going to ask you to respond to that.
1: <laughs> a voice in the
3: room,
0: we're going to let, we had a guest join us. And Davia actually, within her counseling background, yeah. she mm-hmm. um, she does have a spiritual background as well. She holds a, a BA in psychology from the University of Oklahoma. She has a master's in clinical counseling from Ashland Theological Seminary. And so there is, especially as we take what we're talking about and try to turn it into the outlook for the future, mm-hmm. there yeah. is, we believe, a strong spiritual component. And so we're, we're in a building where we got some pastors in the room, <laughs> and we have a pastor at the <laughs> mic who's going to join us for the remainder of our time here with Davia. And why don't you introduce yourself in the context of 1580thepraise.com, Pastor Wayne.
4: Well, goody, good afternoon, uh, Davia. My name is Pastor Wayne Dandridge, um,
0: Assistant
4: Pastor of the Burnside Missionary Baptist Church and also uh, Operations Manager and Music Director here at 1580thepraise.com. And very interesting uh, conversation that you all have going on here today. I want to address a couple of things, though. Um, Mm -hmm. When you talked about, um, there was a comment about loneliness and being alone and primarily myself, I've I've been a loner pretty much most of my life. Uh, I have a very, very close-knit of friends that uh, I I consider my friends, but I don't always be around my friends. Um, But I know that if I needed them, my friends would be there, and if they needed me, I would be there for them. So that being said, this pandemic, for me, was no different than what I've always, always experienced before because I go to work, I'll come here to the radio station, and I'll go home. The next day i do the same thing. And here it is Saturday, I went to work yesterday, I was at the station last night, I went home, I'm here at the station again <laughs> today. You know, so so that has pretty much been um, my life, especially over the last, I guess, six or seven years uh, since my divorce. And that's that's pretty much been it. So I don't consider that being lonely Mm -hmm. to me. That's just I like to be by myself.
1: So, you waited all this time to figure out that you just wanted to be alone?
0: <laughs> but I like that in the context of what Davia said um, just around the break, in that I happen to believe, as she said, that society puts a stigma on being single in fact mm-hmm. i don't even like to talk about being single or being alone i call it flying solo right mm-hmm. and so I, the, the reason i asked about settling is that I, I will start the confessions now to say that there are times when i have been in relationships you because settle. i just felt like being able to post a picture on fake book <laughs> <laughs> was was better and I, and I tell my friends too when, when you when you say family is everything, when you post a smiling picture and say family is everything, I love my family. I understand what you mean. But when you say family is everything, you stick a knife through the heart of people who don't, don't have, have family, family or estranged from their family, which one day might be you. Nothing is everything except for God. I used to say health is everything, but mm-hmm. then if you lose your health, does that mean you have, have nothing? Nothing. Absolutely not. So I I, I read an, an interesting article, and I think this was somewhere other than the United States, but of course we're we're not the only country that's experienced a pandemic about what we used to call the golden girls but now the popular name is communal I don't like living that name. and I don't mean to bring you I, I don't mean to leave you out uh, pastor Wayne it could be the golden guys and doctor I, I don't mean to imply <laughs> it's only a senior thing this was actually about a community of millennials oh, right. and they decided that because they did like the socialization that does sometimes come from relationships but they also like their privacy that they would Pool, pool their resources, and by the way, finances are a huge part of the mm-hmm. pandemic and something we really need to think consciously about going forward, but that they would pool their resources and they would come up with a communal living arrangement, mm. which some of us have are, are doing in the form of generational living. So I know folks who during the pandemic went to live with parents, mm-hmm. went to live with moms, went to live with sisters, and, and that's the way I grew up, quite honestly, that it was very rare not to see grandma and grandpa mm-hmm. and big mama live. Mm-hmm living in the same house. So let me, let me try to unpack for myself what I just said. First, as it relates to the, the, the feeling of wanting to have someone in your sphere is the only way to satisfy that through getting married or, mm. or having a girlfriend or a boyfriend.
4: You know, and even with that, I, I would say that even in my childhood, my mom passed away when I was 14 years old and it was just uh, my dad, my two brothers, and I we were the only ones in the house. Um, and we were pretty much, you know, my dad, <laughs> loved my dad, loved my dad. But when he would get off of work, he'd be in the streets. And he wouldn't come home till late at night. And we would be out in the neighborhood playing around. You know how they talk about when the street lights come, home, come on, you better get home. Mm-hmm. Well, we would be out there playing, and we would watch. We knew when his car was coming around the corner. And we would take off to get home. So being a flying solo as you put it, you know, that's probably that's been most of my life.
0: So the pandemic if nothing else has made us consciously think about our living arrangements on a very basic level, who we live with, why we live with them, why we don't want to live with them, mm-hmm. and going forward how we can configure that we briefly mentioned finances of course we know that the, the devastation that the pandemic had on some folks who just completely lost their jobs worst case scenario people who used to have two incomes lined up now for food banks which which also raises the issue of if two can live cheaper than one and five can live cheaper than two is there something to communal living with people you can bear to be with <laughs> just from a financial perspective and if it is just you alone can you afford to be in this society without a side gig anymore so let's assume for a moment that we're beginning for the time we have remaining in this hour today we're reimagining what our homes would look like and davia you're an example by the way of of another configuration we haven't talked about this whole notion Mm -hmm. of Working from home has now become perhaps working from anywhere, and what does that mean for the concept of home? I have a coworker who wants to get a, an r v is that what it is and and he's an i t guy so he wants to be sure he has a strong internet connection and he still wants hit the to road. work but he, he hit the
1: road mm-hmm. but he has choices
0: according to what
1: I'm reading. Black people don't have a lot of choices right now financially oh, right um, yeah. this recent statistic says that. Six in 10 Hispanics and about half of black Americans say their households are still facing the impacts of income loss from the pandemic compared with about four in 10 white Americans. Black and Hispanic Americans are also especially likely to say that that impact has been major. And some of them point to racism. So what do we do about that? Well, we're hoping for some economic, let's transition here. We're hoping for some economic resources. And I know a whole lot of people are going to the mailbox every day looking for that $1,400 check or seeing that deposit in (laughs) their bank account.
0: Okay, so when that $1,400 check comes, again, thinking about planning what our lives will look like. How much thought are we giving to what we do with that $1,400? $1,400 doesn't necessarily go a long way in today's society, but are we, for whatever resources we do have, and I don't diminish at all the impact of poverty and the impact of racism, and that's why I ask, what are we going to do about it? My my lifetime's almost over, and we're still talking about things we talked about when I was born. (laughs) And so what have we learned? What do we do? I think a, a
1: major difference between... Our generation. I'm mm-hmm. gonna put all of us sitting at the table together, um, and then we're, we're all close, maybe except for that. Well, one yeah, over well, there. I'm a teeny bopper, too, <laughs> so. Um, but we don't have the typical two-parent household right. where dad was working and mom was working, and um, so now it's a lot of single parents
0: out there. And, well, I will tell you that the, that the working from anywhere phenomenon. Um, if, if you look at the, at, the, at the top end of the age scale, I've heard that that is the term retirement is now perhaps rewirement in that working remotely perhaps will allow um, some older folks, some of whom still haven't recovered from the recession 10, 15 years ago, to stay in the workplace longer. Because now if if their goal was to retire and and move somewhere to be with kids and grandkids, perhaps they can do that. Or if their goal is to, to try to retire to get away from office politics, maybe they can minimize that by working at home. Or perhaps the notion of having a side gig which could all of us all of us no matter what our status is we have some skills talents and abilities that perhaps can translate into extra income and if we're working at home not to say we're trying to double dip on our employers time but the time we used to spend commuting or or uh, getting home doing laundry when we can do laundry at lunchtime now perhaps that time can can be used uh, more beneficially, so the whole working remotely, as we look at what our lives look like post-pandemic, perhaps brings some um, solution. Now, I will say that none of us sitting here at the table—you mentioned kids—none of us have had to deal with the extremities of having kids who were suddenly thrust into schooling from home. And yet, as we try to do our best to get kids safely back, we'll talk after commercial break about what that could mean. No, I just want to interject
5: that I was thrown into a situation
3: with my children,
5: grandchildren, that um, we were thrown into a situation where we're now raising them. And so it changed everything, in particular with the pandemic, because my wife now had to, rather than the freedom that she had, she had to be home with them to make sure that they were on the internet that they were doing their homework, and all those different kind of things. So it, it's it's played a big part on on retire uh, retirees who have inherited their grandchildren, um, grandparents who are still working, um, and having to raise their grandchildren. So the the pandemic has affected almost everybody and everything in one way or another
0: it has and okay. that homeschooling hits women particularly hard i've heard davia you were going to
2: add something well, I, was just say, I just going to say if you think of the pandemic we're trying to keep a, a somewhat of a hopeful lens um as a big disruptor like some industries like think of uber I don't know, when I grew up, you weren't going to get in a stranger's car and go somewhere. Now, now you call a stranger, have them come to your house, pick you up, and take you somewhere. Mm-hmm. But that's a complete disruption, right? But the need is still the same. you got to get from here to there if you don't have a car or you don't have access to a bus line or something, right? And so I think um, what we're going to see, there will be some new normal. I think there will be some vestiges of, of this D that people have, being able to stay home. But also... All those things we've been talking about, the ability to retire, there are many of us, many of us in our community, the black community, that where retirement's not a discussion that you have. That's not a thing you look to even, you just want to, you're still looking at the day-to-day survival. Um, and so I think disruption also, though, will breed creativity. You also see in this environment where there's been so much unemployment and business loss and and, and and all of that, you've seen also a number of cottage businesses created. Etsy is blowing through the roof and things like that. So I think there'll be in an in adapt, in adaptation is what I'm trying to say. Uh, moving forward, there may be a hybrid. Um, always those that have less access to resources um, have less opportunity for have fewer choices. And so we've got to keep that same mindset of how do we bring everybody along with us? If there's this new normal, how do we help you adapt to the new normal? Where can you be creative in and surviving how can we make sure that your stimulus money right is, is, is spent in a way that helps you to move forward sustain and move you forward
1: and Davia um, from a business standpoint I used to teach small businesses to focus on that business that that had to be number one mm-hmm. I don't teach that anymore mm-hmm. I say you got to have a plan A and a plan B And plan B must be in a format that you can launch immediately because of weather, because of trouble in with the government, whatever it is. And just as a aside, on Wednesday, March 24th, um, I am going to be on a panel talking about tips, tools and strategies for small businesses surviving through the panel. And it'll be Mm -hmm. sponsored by the Coalition of 100 Black Women. The panel will include black women, Deanna Barnett, Linda Pringle Evans, and Sylvia Garrett. And we're going to talk about what do we do to get our businesses back on track. March 24th, 2021, from 6 to 8. And you can check out the details on my Facebook page.
0: We're going to keep rolling through commercial. Like, Thank you for that, Dr. I. Uh, Davia, you just said something that for me threw back the curtain on everything that we've talked about today as we get ready to wind up our discussion. You called the pandemic a disruptor. A disruptor. Mm -hmm. And if we could focus on that for just a moment, things that disrupt us are sometimes good and sometimes bad, and sometimes the verdict is still out on how it affects it. But when something is disrupted, it makes us think about how to get back on track. And I'll use, we were just talking about schools, and and by the way, the voice you heard talking about his grandchildren was Pastor Mike Greaves. He's the owner of Gold Chip Communications, VP and owner of Gold Chip Communications, talking about his experience with the schools. If we use that as an example of disrupt, certainly that was not something that anyone had planned to have schools that, that schooling at home and now going into a hybrid state. But if there's anything we could learn from that as it relates to, if nothing else, the importance of families in the whole educational process, even when you get your kids back in school, if that's your desire face to face, have you learned anything about the fact that it's it's not just the school's responsibility, perhaps, to educate your kids. Or what were you able to teach them at home during the time you had with them that wasn't even necessarily book smarts? You know, how to sort the laundry? How did my, my 24-year-old never had a class in personal finance? And so teaching him about his stimulus checks and about filing his income tax to get them was valuable. All of that was due to disruption that would not have happened had our lives not been disrupted. So elaborate, if you will, and summarize for us, if you will, about what this disruption means as we move forward and define what this home looks like in this new post-pandemic normal.
2: Yeah, I think that, well, disruption, like I said, can breed creativity. So we don't yet know what the adaptation will be. We just know that there will need to be one, be some, and those that are able to who are able to be creative, um, will find new ways. And so I think there are those who have limited access to their own creativity. So those of us who can teach classes like Doctor Rye is doing or serve through organizations like the coalition uh, of hundred black women or our churches, or that's a whole and we've got two pastors to others. Love to hear how the church is going to rebound, right? All of your the, the, um, congregations, they're not coming. And, and many feel disconnected. There'll have to be some sort of a pivot, some sort of adaptation to grab them back and to see how we bring others along. Um, and so like the coronavirus is novel, I don't think we do have the answer. I think what we can't do is be inspirational in regard to creativity. Um, and so that's what I hope will happen. Wish I could say, well, do this, 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 and it'll look this way and that way with families. Um, I can't say that because none of us have been here before, not in this way. Um, but there will be an access. We know that. We know as you go through, you go to the other side, and the other side will be something else. A conversation my husband and I had this morning was when things open back up fully, do we really want to go back to the same place we had before? We were running hard. <laughs> do we want to do that, and how do we ensure? that there's some level of balance. What have we learned about ourselves and about our relationships and about our service to others that will look different moving forward? And I think those questions um, will have to be repeatedly asked um, to ourselves. And and using schools as an
0: example, since that's what we were just talking about, there were mm-hmm. parts of schools that we've known for a while haven't worked, and so what can we learn? I'm, I'm thinking about a family right now dealing with a, a situation with seniors. They're not quite sure to, what to do about senior care now. They had a senior and assistant living who they're just now being able to see again after a year, and so mm-hmm. they're making some decisions, but I like what you said about about creativity and just everyone just stopping, being very intentional, very deliberate, no matter what where you are on any spectrum, whether it's income or age or um, Mm -hmm. occupation or household status, we know that each one of those situations brings with it special challenges. And we have Mm -hmm. been stretched to the limit in the past year or what we thought was our limit and we made it and we're moving forward now. And so looking through the window, it's our window. It's for each one Mm -hmm. of us to very intentionally and very Mm -hmm. deliberately define. And I know for me, I can't do that without a word of prayer. So I'm looking at two pastors up in here and asking if they could just close us out in that way as we... Be ye before. ever ready. <laughs> <laughs> Dr.
5: I, you know, before we do that, before we go, um, and we got a, a couple, I know you're going to have to go, we got a couple extra minutes. Um, Sister Davia, thank you yeah. for being a part of our, our show today. And um, But I just want to say a couple things. One is on this whole pandemic, and we talk about family, one of the things that I've said traditionally is I believe the family is everything. And let me mm-hmm. let me kinda explain what that my idea of what the family is. It, it does not necessarily mean biological, mm-hmm. um, but people want to belong. And one of the issues that we find with young people and, and joining gangs is they feel like they're part of a family. Because mm-hmm. They're, they're made to feel like they, they belong. Um, you know, and so when I look at family, I, I look at church family. That's, that's my extended family. I look at my biological family. I have a family of friends. For me, I'm not one who likes to be alone. I love people. That's why I do what I do. I love people. And when I'm not around people, I'm like, I kind of, you know, I, I need to be around people. I like noise. Um, when I come home in the evening and my grandchildren are making a lot of noise, it's a good noise, um, I like to hear that. I was, went away and I was away for a week in a hotel and I hated it. There was no noise, I had to turn the TV on, I had to turn it on loud because I didn't have the noise. So when I say family, uh, I don't say it in a negative sense or, or exclude um, neglecting anybody but saying that there's so, so many ways that we have family. And the bottom line is, I think it's just our way of wanting to be apart and to be alone. Number two, on singleness, being a preacher, so don't beat me up. I believe that God has a purpose for every one of us. He has a plan. And sometimes our singleness is an opportunity to find out who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, if you're a mess and you marry somebody else that's a mess, that's two messes, and two plus two equals another mess. So I think God oftentimes allows us to be by ourselves so that we can find out who we really are. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, rather than allowing somebody else to define who we are, God gives us a chance for us to define who we are. Number three, and I'm done, is that no single person should apologize for their singleness. Everybody's not gonna get married. Um, And some people do very, very well in their singleness. And Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, from a traditional standpoint, uh, mom and dad said, when we gonna get a grandkid? You know, (laughs) well, this ain't gonna happen right now, okay? But I think that it's important that single people, there's greatness in singleness, in your singleness. And you should not allow anybody to pressure you into getting married. My last, last point, okay? And Dr. I is going (laughs) to say something. Y'all got to be going. Um, When I think about pastors, many pastors, we have the highest rate of divorces, okay? And the reason being is back in the day, if you weren't married, you weren't going to get a church. And so you would get married just so you would get a church. That's ridiculous. And um, so my, my thing is that don't allow anybody to pressure you into get married. And don't apologize for your singleness. Be who you are and not who you ain't.
1: And just to add my viewpoint on that topic, to everyone that's listening to this radio show, look in your window. Absolutely. Look in your mirror window and find out who you are post-pandemic. You should be a different person. You should have examined yourself on those lonely nights or early in the morning when you couldn't sleep. And and God has a plan for you, but you got to look at it and you have to
0: accept it. And you can do it. You're a survivor. You survived the pandemic. Congratulations. Absolutely. And we're moving forward, looking through the window.
4: I want to say this. I want to qualify something. Just because I said I like to be alone does not mean <laughs> that I don't like companionship. <laughs>
3: Phone Where are you? Where are
4: you? That does not mean I don't enjoy companionship because we can be two of us alone together. God bless you.
5: Thank you. thank you. Okay. Let's pray real quick. God, okay. we love you. We honor you. We thank you for this day. Thank you for the window. Thank you for Dr. I, Dr. J. We thank you Lord for their, for their wonderfulness, for their forthrightness. We thank you Lord for allowing them to come and to be a part of our family. Now, God, as we go out various different places today, God, keep us in perfect peace as we keep our minds stayed on thee. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, Davia. Thank you. Thank you, Davia.
0: Thank you. Oh, you're welcome.